Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Sunday of Easter. So it's the last Sunday of the Easter season. We just had Ascension last Thursday. Ten days after Ascension, which would be next Sunday, is Pentecost. And it is interesting that between Ascension and Pentecost, there was only one thing that was recorded in the Holy Scriptures. And it is that one thing that we're going to consider in our sermon for this morning. It was the choosing of Matthias to replace Judas Iscariot as the 12th apostle. Our first lesson for this seventh Sunday of Easter is found recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 1, beginning at the 12th verse. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mountain called the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they entered the city, they went to the upstairs room where they were staying. Peter and John were there, also James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas son of James. All of them kept praying together with one mind, along with the women, with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days when the group was numbered about 120 people, Peter stood up among the brothers and said, Gentlemen, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David about Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. Judas was counted as one of us and was given a share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with what... He was paid for his wicked act. When he fell head first, his middle burst open and his intestines spilled out. This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem. And so in their own language, that field is called a keldama, which means field of blood. Indeed, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his resident be deserted, let there be no one dwelling in it. And... Let someone else take his position. Therefore, it is necessary that one of the men who accompanied us during the entire time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from his baptism by John until the day Jesus was taken up from us, become a witness with us of his resurrection. They proposed to Joseph called Barsabas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take the place in this apostolic ministry from which Judas turned away to go to his own place. Then they assigned lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was counted with the eleven apostles. The word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at the 12th verse. 
Dear friends, do not be surprised by the fiery trial that is happening among you to test you, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, rejoice whenever you are sharing in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted in connection with the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer, a thief, a criminal, or as a meddler. But if you suffer for being a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God in connection with his name. For the time has come for judgment to begin with the household of God. Now if it begins with us, what will be the end for those who disobey the gospel of God? Therefore humble yourselves under God's powerful hand, so that he may lift you up at the appointed time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Have sound judgment. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him by being firm in the faith. You know that the same kinds of suffering are being laid on your brotherhood all over the world. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who called you into his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Our gospel for this, for this Sunday is found recorded in the gospel of John, chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you gave him authority over all flesh, so that he may give eternal life to all those you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I have glorified you on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me at your own side with the glory I had at your side before the world existed. I revealed your name to the men you gave me out of the world. They are yours. You gave them to me, and they have held on to your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they received them. They learned the truth that I came from you. They believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, because they are yours. All that is mine is yours, and what is yours is mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no longer going to be in the world, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded. The Gospel, or not the Gospel, the book of Acts, chapter 1, beginning at the 12th verse. I'm going to open with the very last verse of this section. Then they assigned lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was counted with the eleven apostles. This is the word of the Lord. 
Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, redeemed by the blood of Christ and knowing you are heirs of everlasting life in Jesus Christ alone. Last week I met with the Budget Review Committee. Since our fiscal year starts on July 1, the work is already getting started to present a proposed budget for the new fiscal year. And at the end um, of June, or towards the end of June, there will be a, a, a voters meeting to then decide on a new budget for the new year. And of course, the biggest thing on the ticket item is the salary of the pastor. And how do you determine the number that you're going to put in there? And there can be any number of ways God didn't dictate that a certain way had to be done. So there's tons of Christian freedom that goes into it. I can't help but think of a joke that ends with the idea that the pastor's salary came when he would take the collection plate every Sunday, throw it up in the air, and whatever God wanted, he could take, and whatever fell to the ground, he got. By the way, we do not do it that way, nor do I recommend we ever do it that way, ever. But the idea of throwing up uh, and throwing it up in the air made me think of the words here of casting a lot. Not casting a lot of times, but the phrase, they cast a lot. In fact, I am convinced that that phrase, which is an idiom and, and a unique phrase, in the Greek language is probably has many different understandings and nuances over the years. I've heard some say that the casting of Lot was simply the throwing of dice or something similar. I've heard it that the casting of lots is where they would put a name on a small stone or, or maybe even a broken piece of pottery. They would put it in a container or, or maybe in their robe, and then they would shake it around, and whatever name came flying out, that was the one that was chosen. But then we're told that Matthias was counted with the 11 apostles, and the word counted in the original language actually means that he was voted, and so the casting of Lot may have been just simply a phrase to describe voting, possibly just a hand vote. We really don't know. We really don't know at all how they did it specifically. And again, it can change over time, even though the phrase is still used. But here's what we do know. This is the event that took place, the one that's being emphasized clearly, the one event that is really important during that 10-year 10-day period between Ascension and Pentecost, when on Pentecost they would receive the Holy Spirit with a special outpouring, being able to speak in other known languages that they didn't learn, so that they could start in Jerusalem, go through Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. This is clearly an important event, and it took place in an upper room 
Ooh, because we're hearing the word uh, in upper room, could this be the same room that Jesus met with his disciples when he instituted the Lord's Supper, when he washed their feet? This is when he celebrated for the last time the Passover meal? He did this on Monday, Thursday? Could this be the same room? We don't know. But it had to be a rather large room because we're told at the time that there were 120 disciples. Now, we're all 120 there. Again, we don't know. But we do know that we're told that the 11 apostles were in that room. We're also told that women were in the room. And no doubt the very same women that were going to finish the anointing of Jesus' body who saw on Easter morning the tomb open and the two angels telling them he has risen, he is not here. We know that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there. This is the only time in scriptures that she's actually mentioned outside of the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in fact, this is the very last time we will hear of Mary again. And then we're told, and the brothers, and his brothers. Now there's all kinds of speculation on what is the brothers. Could the brothers be spiritual brothers? Therefore, since we have women mentioned, is this simply referring to all the others that were present? All the brothers who were brothers in the faith, some take it that the word brother can sometimes be used to refer to brothers and sisters. And so anyone else not counted is summed up in the word brothers. Some take the, the word brothers to see it as perhaps maybe the half-brothers of Jesus. But then many question that. You know, did Mary and Joseph have other children after? Because these would have been the stepbrothers. I am one who tends always lean that yes they did have children after Jesus Mary and Joseph and we also know that these brothers they weren't believers but after Jesus rose and ascended back into heaven they became prominent influence in that early Christian church they became believers some believe that the word brothers is just another word for cousins. Maybe you could refer to any type of relatives. Well, no matter what, what is important is we have a large group of people gathering together, and it was during that time that Peter, taking the lead, spoke up. And he said this, The scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David about Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. Judas was counted as one of us and was given a share in this ministry. He doesn't tell us what the Holy Scripture is that he's referring to, but he does believe in verbal inspiration, that the Holy Spirit inspires the very words and thoughts for the human writers to write down. In fact, when you read 2 Peter, in the very first chapter, he he emphasizes the importance of verbal inspiration and therefore understanding that the Bible is God's word. But the scripture here, even though he doesn't quote it, we do know it. 
It's actually Psalm 41. And the reason we know it is because Jesus himself referred to the scripture on the first time they met in that upper room when he took bread and dipped it in the sauce and, and, and gave it to Judas, quoting the passage that said, the one who shares my bread has raised his heel against me. Scripture foretold, and it was fulfilled in Judas. He is the betrayer. In fact, Peter describes him as a guide, not just simply an example to the others who arrested Jesus, though he was literally the guide who took the mob together to go and arrest Jesus. And remember, he betrayed him with a kiss. That was the signal. But yet this Judas shared in this ministry. He was a believer. He joined the apostles, the other 11, in witnessing. In fact, the word apostle simply means to send out. And the 11 were sent out, chosen by Christ himself for an intense seminary, three-year training, and doing mission work. Judas had joined them in proclaiming the holy name of Christ with everyone they met. And yet, Judas betrayed Jesus. Oh, the height from which he fell to be an apostle chosen by the Almighty himself and now betraying him? In fact, he literally fell. We're told here that the very field of blood is the very field of blood that was called that, we hear it in the Gospels, because Judas, after betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, which was the price to, for a cheap slave, went and threw the money and claiming he betrayed innocent blood. the religious leaders decided not to take the money and put it back into the general fund. But they decided instead that they would buy a field, and they called it the field of blood because they referred to the money as blood money. Now we're being told here it's called the field of blood because this is where Judas hung himself. And in fact, what Peter describes here is certainly not a bedtime story you give to your children with the hope they'll fall asleep. Especially when you hear the words, he fell headlong, his middle burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. In fact, Peter even goes so far as to say that he went to his own place. He didn't go to God's place. He went to his place which is clearly referring to hell. Judas betraying Jesus is not entirely why he ended up in hell. Remember, all of the disciples and apostles betrayed Jesus. Even Peter denied even knowing him three times before the rooster crowed twice. No, Judas ended up in hell because of unbelief. 
I cannot join those who claim that Judas tends to get a, um, an unfair shake when it comes to that, well, did he have to betray Jesus in order for Jesus to go to the cross, in order for Jesus to pay for the sins of the world? Wasn't it all part of God's plan to pick on Judas, and therefore Judas betraying Jesus is all part of the plan of salvation? Judas did not come back to the Lord with a repentant heart, confessing his sins and believing in the gift of salvation and the forgiveness of sins purely by the perfect life and innocent death of our Savior. He rejected the Lord in unbelief and took his life into his own hands. And he went to his place, as Peter put it. These words, my friend, are a warning for each and every one of us. I too cannot believe and accept the principle of once a believer, always a believer. In other words, Judas really was not a believer to begin with. He was really kind of an unbeliever. Because if he was really a believer, then he could have never fallen from God. The truth of the matter is, he was a believer. He carried out the ministry. He proclaimed God's holy name. And his holy word. He learned and was taught. And he rejected it in unbelief. Any one of us can fall from the height of knowing and tasting the beautiful gospel message of Jesus Christ. And to give it up for our own selfishness and ungodliness. Oh, being caught up in the ways of the world and being caught up with materialism and, and being caught up with what I think is important and, and what I think God should be doing. And, and therefore, that's the kind of God I'll believe in. The one who lets me do what I want because what's important is having a God that lets me be happy. Oh, my dear friends, unbelief. That's why people end up in hell. It was Jesus who said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And that is hell. Don't take for granted this holy, precious word of God. I am not up here simply to beg and to plead. Please continue in the holy word. I stand before you because this is the word we cannot live without. This is the word we must hold to. This is the word we take to heart. This is the word of God, verbally inspired. Anything contrary to that word is not the truth. Because God's word is the absolute truth cannot emphasize enough to certainly read your Bibles at home. But please, my dear friends, don't ever take for granted the gathering together around that holy word as we join our hearts together as one, knowing the Bible is God's word, and at the heart of that word is Jesus Christ. It was that very word that Peter also quoted two different verses from two different psalms. One psalm, he quotes 106, 
or no, this one is 96. May his resident be deserted. Let there be no one dwelling in it. And then the second, and let someone else take his position. Both these psalms deal with the prayer of the Messiah against his enemies. And, and here Peter is announcing that this was also fulfilled in Judas in what he did. So it was decided to come and call for a 12th apostle to replace Judas. But there were two criterias. One is, is the person that they were going to choose had to be a person who has known Jesus, was with Jesus, heard him preach and teach, was an eyewitness of everything he said and did, beginning at his baptism right up to the time he ascended back into heaven. And the second criteria is he has to be a witness of the resurrection. He has to have seen it and be able to witness it because the resurrection is not based on what people think it says. It's not based on fairy tales. It's not based on stories that got passed along and, and grows over time. It has to be an eyewitness account firsthand. And they could only come up with two that fit the bill perfectly. There was Joseph, and then there was Matthias. By the way, these two men, the only time mentioned is here, and we never hear about them again. But before the casting of Lot to see which of them they should pick, they chose this prayer. Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take the place in this opposite apostolic ministry from which Judas turned away to go to his own place. They prayed for the Lord to make the choice. So even though the casting of lots and or possibly a hand vote was taken, that's the very human side of it. But they really believed that even in spite of that, it would be the Lord's decision. And they trusted in that decision. Because of this passage, I believe that the call is divine. I believe that I'm not here as a preacher of the word and as a minister of the gospel simply because it was luck and chance that got me here. I believe I was called. Even though the voters at the time who looked over several names and, and made a decision and extended the call, I've always believed it was God who chose that a minister is not where he's at by accident ever, but that God chooses him to be there and calls him to be there. He is not called to a church to simply do what the church wants and wishes. No, he's there to hold to God and out of love for God and in serving God, he serves that congregation he answers to God first. My dear friends, I'm not the only one called. The difference between a pastor and his flock may be because the pastor has a greater responsibility of being the overseer of the flock and the spiritual leader. But whether you're a pastor or a parishioner, 
We all have the same call. The call is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be witnesses of the resurrection that we too have seen and know because of God's holy word. We too are here to serve people with salvation that is in Jesus alone. And so knowing that each and every one of us is called, we answer to the Lord. We serve the Lord. One of the biggest threats, and I would even go so far as to say the biggest threat to the entire Christian ministry is always apathy, indifference, laziness when it comes to knowing Christ and sharing it as his witnesses. Remember what Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. This is our purpose in life. It doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter what station we find ourselves in, what kind of work we do or we don't do. And we know that our main duty, our main purpose, no matter how we serve in this life, is that we are called by God, called to be witnesses of the resurrection, and called to serve people with salvation. God bless you in your ministry as you join this pastor in sharing that to the ends of the earth, called by God. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.